The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. So in December, Daniel sailed a five-night solo cruise over to Bermuda out of Manhattan on Norwegian Gem. He joins us now to talk all about it. Hey, buddy. Hey, Doug, how are you? Good, man. Looking forward to hearing this review, not only from a cruiser standpoint from the Haven on Gem, but also from a solo cruiser standpoint. But uh, as we always do, we'll take a step back here and let's get some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this five-nighter over to Bermuda on Gem? A few factors. My first and only solo cruise was back in 2018, and uh, it was a four-nighter on Allure of the Seas, and I, I really enjoyed being a solo cruiser. I mean, I missed my wife and daughter, of course, but it was just a, a good respite. And I think when you're a solo cruiser, you become more extroverted and more observant of what's happening around you, which allows for a richer experience. As well, I recently published my first novel and sort of wanted to reward myself for that. It was a long time in the making. And I also, the third factor is I lived on Riverside Drive here in Manhattan, in New York City. And I have a view of the Hudson where the gem sails away from. So there was the convenience factor as well. Nice. It was a culmination of things on this one. And by the way, congrats on the novel. We'll, uh, we'll get a little plug at the end of the show for that, because I'm, uh, I'm curious about that as well, for sure. So you make Thank your you. way. You're in uh, Manhattan. You're, you made your way to the cruise terminal right down the street from you up there. How was the embarkation process uh, compared to the last time you cruised? Tricky. A lot of moving parts, specifically because of the government of Bermuda. Anyone who was on the ship had to um, apply for uh, travel authorization no more than four days before with uh, the Bermuda government. And you had to then bring that to the terminal where you were tested once again. And also all cruisers had to be fully vaccinated. So there was sort of a three-prong safety net for all of us. And the embarkation, there were some lines. Even if you were in the Haven, you still had to wait to show your credentials, then show your Bermuda travel authorization. Then you had to wait to get tested. Then you had to wait for the results. And after that, finally, I got to go to the Haven Lounge, which was very nice. It was about 45 minutes. When you were taken to the Haven Lounge from the pier, is it a special entryway or elevator access? How does that work? It is a special entryway. It's not elevator access. And there was our concierge and some of the Haven team. There was champagne and and fruit, snacks and stuff. And they essentially just escorted me onto the ship. Soon after I got on the ship, there was immediately the e-muster drill procedure, which was maybe two minutes. And then we walked. uh, I sort of have a no elevator rule for myself on cruise ships. So Mm -hmm. I dragged the poor guy with me up to deck 14 and into my beautiful, beautiful room. I want to ask you this about 
the gem because the Haven was really an afterthought because the ship was already built um, a long time ago. Then the Haven was added to it. Now, when you get to ships like Encore, Getaway, Joy, Bliss, everything's kind of encapsulated right there at the top of the ship. How is the gem set up different from those newer ships? This is my first MCL cruise, but essentially there's one deck, which is 14, and there's sort of two rows of rooms that border a really small atrium that has a tiny plunge pool, a hot tub, and maybe five or six tables where there's a rotation of snacks and stuff. But there isn't a dedicated Haven restaurant, Mm -hmm. nor is there really a dedicated concierge area. What they do is, on deck 13, I believe, the Moderna restaurant sort of turns into the concierge lounge. You can have lunch there and breakfast. And the concierge is sometimes there to answer questions and book reservations, but there's not, there's no there there on gotcha. the gem in terms of the haven. Yeah. Since this was your very first Norwegian cruise, what were your first impressions of the ship itself? Quaint, sort of smallish. It looks a little worn. I mean, I think the last refurb was 2015, and it shows that um, not in a bad way, though. I mean, it, it, it had a good spirit to it sort of a fighting spirit or something. (laughs) And, you know, people who are cruising December 9th to Bermuda are pretty avid cruisers. Like you're you're not going for your typical vacation. So, and there were only about a thousand to 1200 of us on board. And the capacity I believe is like 2,400. So I really liked the spirit of my fellow cruisers that we were all sort of uh, in it for the love of cruising more so than any other warm weather, idyllic vacation experiences. Yeah. Now, since you were cruising solo, did you kind of jump into any Facebook groups or roll calls before the ship to maybe meet some people or see who you could be maybe drinking or hanging out with on the cruise? Yeah, I did actually. You know, I joined the the Facebook group for my cruise, which was named Norwegian Gem, December 12th, and which I'd never done before. And I would certainly do again, whether I was cruising solo or not, because a lot of good information, a lot of people who had cruised on the gem before offering good tips and stuff. And there was a first day meetup of the Facebook group, which was a blast. It was at, I think it was Maltings or something. And it was fun. You know, you get to know them and then you see them around and say hi. So I, I would recommend that. So this Facebook meetup. Okay. So I'm, I guess I'm, I'm probably an awkward person. Like I couldn't go to something like that and just start introducing myself to people. Is that what you basically do? Like, hi, I'm Daniel. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you know, someone it wasn't me said, whoever wants to come and, and hang out and say hello, we'll be at uh, the bar at uh, four o'clock and I'll be wearing a pink hat, something like that. Okay. So I saw a dude with a pink hat and I said, Hey, I'm Daniel. And I was, you know, uh, information on Facebook and how's it going. And a lot of people were from New Jersey and, you know, the tri-state area and, had a drink, chatted for maybe half an hour, and that was it. But it was a good way to begin the cruise. It was pre-setting, setting off. Nice. So let's talk about your stateroom up there in the Haven. How swanky is it? Oh, man, it's one of the best I've ever stayed in. It is two rooms with a good balcony, um, but the living room is huge, has a TV. It has sort of a little kitchenette bar area with a gourmet coffee machine and capsules, crystal glassware a stocked refrigerator, then the bedroom is could have been a king-size bed or, or a queen, but it was very cozy. The bathroom was the best bathroom I've ever had at sea. It had 
glass shower door and an incredible view while you're showering. Hot, really strong water pressure, excellent products. I forget the brand, but you know, if you thought you would know it. And two sinks, lots of plugs, lots of storage, big closet. It was great. Since you were up there in the Haven, we'll kind of segue to the dining around the Haven area. You mentioned that you could actually eat down in Moderno. I believe it was. You said it was Moderno, yeah. right? Okay. I'm getting confused Moderna, with the, uh, yeah. Moderna. Yeah. So yeah. Moderno. <laughs> okay. Nice. So during your meals, like um, breakfast and lunch, you could go down to Moderno. Where was dinner served for Haven guests? It wasn't. Okay. For, for Haven guests on the jam, you just, you know, you the Haven came with um, one specialty dining on them, you know, for free. Mm-hmm. And you were on your own for the rest of it. You were forced to mingle the, with the commoners. The breakfast was fine. It was a buffet. I did not do the lunch because I generally went to the garden cafe, Mm -hmm. but the breakfast was very good. No complaints. It was a buffet again and had a a very nice selection that changed slightly and had some some interesting choices like uh, roast beef hash and with a poached egg, things of that nature. So breakfast was A+. Nice. How was the buffet, the Garden Cafe on your sailing? Was it self-served? Were they serving you up there? Give us a layout on that. It was totally self-served. It was sort of, you know, a blast from the past. I know, I believe they reverted some of that, but no one was wearing face masks. That was not required, given all the safety precautions. And I believe they reverted from that, but I'm not sure. And the Garden Cafe, it was okay. I would say it was so-so compared to Cabanas on Disney or Windjammer on Royal were probably a B plus, A minus to mm-hmm. this B minus, C plus. Nice. But just being able to enjoy a buffet in this crazy, crazy time was uh, worth the price of admission. And just to be clear, you said you weren't wearing face masks, but this was back in early December of last year. And of course, things have changed with the Omicron variant going into the uh, 2022. Right. So things could be a little different right now as you uh, get on board one of these ships. But how about outside of the buffet area? So like they don't really have a main dining room per se, but they have a couple of different dining options around the ship that are included in the price of your cruise. Uh, how was that experience? I didn't go to uh, Grand Pacific or Magenta because I was totally locked into the specialty dining. However, I will say that the Grand Pacific Dining Room, I sort of toured it, is beautiful. It's just cinematic. I think it's two stories. It looks like a, you know an old jazz club from the 1930s or something. And I can't speak to the food, but the setting was really charming. So since you were hooked on the specialty restaurants on this sailing, let's talk about those. So what was the first one you went to? Teppanyaki. Nice which I loved. As a solo traveler, I figured there'd be a group there or something, and I was right, and just became friends with uh, a family there. And it was just, it was, food was great. The garlic fried rice, and I'm a New Yorker, so I suppose de facto food snob. Garlic fried rice was among the best I've had anywhere. The teppanyaki chefs were really funny, and it was a great experience. I had a blast. And then I went to Cagney's, which was solid, had the filet, which was good. It was good. And, you know, again, a New Yorker, not to sound like a snob, but (laughs) it's hard to impress a New Yorker with things like steak and pizza. It just Mm -hmm. is. It's too too much good stuff here. But I, that was fine. Then I went to Moderno for the Churrascaria, which is where they bring around various meats. And there's a bountiful salad bar with all sorts of side dishes, South American cuisine. That was very good. That was, um, 
probably my second favorite. I did teppanyaki a second time and met another family who sort of adopted me and stopped me on the ship, <laughs> which is fine. I love them. They were, <laughs> they were very sweet. Finally, I did Cucina, I believe, which was the Italian place mm-hmm. that was excellent, but it was weird. The portions were really tiny, which I hardly ever complain about because I don't, you know, just don't. But the quality was, was terrific, but the portions were a little small. Yeah. Um, but the highlight for me was teppanyaki because of the garlic fried rice and new friends. See, teppanyaki can go one or two ways. Like you could, uh, you know, go there and everyone kind of just sit to themselves and not talk to each other. Or it could be like a lot of camaraderie at the table, right? With the chef acting, uh, you know, putting on his show and stuff like that. So it sounds like you had the latter one. So that's a cool experience. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, again, because I was alone, I sort of felt the need to sort of start, get the party started, introduce myself, you know, laugh at the corny jokes. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I loved it. And I brought like a bunch of my books on board. So I was handing those out as a conversation starter. Mm-hmm. At the second table, there were older women who uh, were celebrating uh, a birthday, cousins and sisters, and they were in their 60s. And I bought all of them drinks and then they got buzzed and then everyone was going crazy. And, you know, it was just I, I, I made the most of it and, and ended up loving it. It was totally memorable. And next thing you know, there were whispers around the ship. Oh, my God. Published author Daniel is here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, how was entertainment during your seven night cruise? Well, here's the weird thing. There was supposed to be entertainment, a variety of shows, variety shows, Broadway shows. But none of those entertainers got on board. And there was talk about whispers. The cruise director, a gentleman named Jasper, was the cruise director for day one and day two. Then once he got to Bermuda, he disappeared, meaning that in all the literature, you know, the, I forget what it's called, the, the free paper they give you with all the events, mm-hmm. um, freestyle, I think it's called. Yeah, but freestyle daily. Freestyle daily that he was mentioned on the first and second day. And then under cruise director, it said assistant cruise directors and it listed a bunch of names. And here's what people were thinking, that somehow he messed up, that he didn't get the COVID credentials right for the cast of the various shows and they could not get on board. Consequently, the gem didn't leave pier 89 till like 9 PM or something because they were scrambling to get who to fill in. So instead of there being shows at night through all the nights there, there were a very good singer, like a cabaret singer. What was her name? Anne Martinez. There was something called the brothers Chernov where these tumblers and swordplay acrobatics, there was a comedian who was good, and they just kept on sort of alternating between these three. But I guarantee that at the last second, you know, they sort of cobbled this stuff together. In the Stardust Theater, there was no real show. It was sort of just a singer, a comedian, and three others <laughs> swallowing swords. Okay. Which was fine. Yeah. You know. I mean, whatever. You're on a cruise. It really doesn't matter what's uh, playing on the main stage anyways, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was... Uh, and then in... Atrium, which is the sort of the heart of the ship in terms of bars and entertainment, a lot of fun stuff, trivia. There was a historical presentation called So You Want to Be a Pirate, which I love. It was like an hour and a half of the true history of pirates, which mm-hmm. was very well done. And a couple of piano players, but that was about it. All right. Fair enough. So let's talk about the sea days then. You went over to Bermuda and back. Uh, were they cold? Were they nice? How were they? 
first day was very cold. I mean, you know, we're leaving in December, but the spirit of the ship was like, screw it. I'm on a cruise. I don't care if it's degrees or 29 with wind chill. I am wearing shorts. I am going to have a pina colada with a, a rum topper and an umbrella. I just don't care. And that was like the wonderful spirit of the ship that in the cold or whatever else, even though we have, you know, we only have a thousand aboard, we're going to turn winter into summer. So I think it was on day two at around 4 p.m. that the temperatures reached into the 60s and people were totally psyched and started swimming in the pools, even though the water temperature was pretty frigid. And when we got to Bermuda on day three, it was 70-ish, like 71 or so, clear skies. And that was the high, really, was 71. I think on the second Bermuda day, it got to 72. But it was not ideal for a lot of water play or water sports. I remember a couple of years ago when you were on the show, and I believe it was uh, your daughter and yourself went over to Bermuda, and you went to like a resort for a day type thing. What did you do this time? I did the exact same thing. Okay. On the first day, I went to a place called Cambridge Beaches. And this was a place that initially had rejected my daughter because they had a policy that they didn't allow children, which at the time, of course, pissed me off, but we mm-hmm. still had a great day. But this time, since I was alone, I did a day pass. They had a pool. They had a bar. I got a room, you know, just to change and chill out. In, and I was one of the only guests there just because of the season and stuff and COVID. But really charming made friends with the the manager of the hotel, of course, gave her a book too, and had a delightful lunch of red snapper and had a nice uh, glass of wine, swam in an incredibly cold pool, and just chilled out. So that was my my first Bermuda day. Now, this first place you just went to that you're talking about right now, is this a place that you kind of book on your own or do you go through the ship? I booked it on my own. Okay. Do they like arrange like a driver and stuff for you as well, since it's an all-inclusive type thing? No, it's not. You just you take a cab, which were plentiful. I think it's sort of the best hotel closest to the Royal Naval Docks, mm-hmm. where the gem was docked. And it was probably like um, a 10-minute ride. I got there for lunch, checked in with the day pass, and they were just they were very chill and nice. They were like, look, if you want to stay over, it's fine. Oh, and I realized something. If there's a double dip in Bermuda, at least according to NCL, you can stay at a hotel. They don't care. Like, they don't oh. care if you don't come back till 4 o'clock the next day, which I didn't know. Not that I would have done that because I love my Haven room so much, but it's good to know if people are interested in that. If you're doing a double dip, does that mean the ship stays docked for the full, like, 48 hours or whatever it is? Yeah. Okay. And when I, I was leaving, I was like, when do I have to be back? And they were like, whenever you want tomorrow. You know, we don't <laughs> have fun. <laughs> nice. And then the second day in Bermuda, I went to did some shopping and went to a pub called the Frog and the Onion, I think it's called. And they had a really charming Salvation Army band playing Christmas songs. And they were all off key. I think they were drunk, but they were all off key. And, you know, they were just doing all these Christmas classics. And it was really charming. I felt the Englishness, you know, the Britishness of Bermuda in that place. And that was perhaps a highlight. I spent a few hours there enjoyed it quite a bit. Nice. And then after that, did you go back to the ship and just call it a day? Yeah. Another highlight for me, I know we do highlights usually later, but every day, almost every day, I did a spa treatment. And I'm not a spa guy. I've mm-hmm. never gotten a massage in my life. I've never gotten a facial in my life. And every afternoon I would get 
I got two massages, I got a facial, I got a shave. So that sort of anchored my afternoon. I would be back around three or four o'clock for the spa, and then they, the people there were extraordinary. Like I just felt so pampered, felt so good. I was a little nervous because I've never done stuff like that before, and they they treated me with kid gloves. So the spa was also really something I liked. How was the thermal suite? Did you go in there at all? I did not. I know you're a fan of it. I want to try it, but I just I sort of I didn't I didn't go there. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Well, you only had five days. Normally you do seven, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, we just talked about the ports of call, so we'll talk about you make your way back to Manhattan. Before we step off the ship, how was the casino situation? Casino, I only went to one night. I might be wrong, but it was, to my old factory senses, it was smoke-free. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't too crowded. I played blackjack. I gave myself a limit of time and resources. And I broke even, but I had, a, like, 45 minutes of great fun. The dealers, I played blackjack. They were funny and kind. It was a really low-pressure environment. And again, not a lot of smokers. It wasn't dreary. It was, it was upbeat. Now, you, did you have a butler like with the Haven? Does that include the butler on Gem? There was a butler, and she was, she was delightful. To be honest, it was sort of lost on me. I, I, mm-hmm. like, I, almost, I feel embarrassed. <laughs> saying like I had a butler because right. I didn't really know what to do with her. I I had the same breakfast every morning. I had like yogurt and I asked for grapes and, you know, if I had to do it over again, I actually bid on a Haven upgrade. And if I had to do it over again, I think I would still go for the Haven, mm-hmm. but only because of the rooms and not because of any other services, at least as they exist on the Norwegian gym. Yeah. The Butler thing's tricky, right? Because especially if you're not used to that, like living that lifestyle, we sailed um, with a Butler in 2019 on Seabourn, and it was like, okay, this is so awkward. What do we do? Right. Like they, they brought us the, a bottle of Tito's, and that's all I think she did, except clean our room. The rest of the cruise, so right. I, I you know, I almost want to ask, like, what should I be? Right. What should I be asking for that I'm not asking for? Exactly. And she was like, anything you want. I was like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, so it's time to disembark the ship. Uh, Being in the Haven, any kind of priority debark or anything? No, not really. I kept my luggage, and I bought a bunch of souvenirs and bought like a a bunch of rum and stuff, which were heavy. So Mm -hmm. I got into the elevator, and there was no one in there. went down, and the concierge was there to show me the general direction, but there was nothing special about disembarking. I had called a car ahead of time. And they met me maybe 20 minutes after. Yeah, it took me about 25 minutes to get out, clear customs, and then another 15 minutes for the car to find me. And then the trip home is six minutes, and I was unpacked in my home office and starting my day by around 9.15 a.m. Very cool. Do you have any first-time tips to offer anyone either going to Bermuda or sailing out of the Manhattan area? My first-time tips would be definitely join your cruise's Facebook page because the Bermuda government, in terms of the travel authorization, is a little fickle, it's a little confusing, and people who have cruised before will be able to help you. I did the Cruise Next offer on the ship, which is essentially if you book a cruise in the future and you put down a $1,000 deposit on it, you get a $500 credit against whatever you bought or any services you've used 
on your current cruise, which I thought was a really good deal. I recommend that if it's affordable. The other advice I would give is if you're a solo traveler, definitely don't be embarrassed to be extroverted and corny and have fun and go up to people and meet people. It makes the cruise so much more enjoyable. Very cool. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? My biggest highlight was probably I was at the Frog and Onion. I love that name. I don't know why. But I was at the Frog and Onion. I had had a couple of drinks. I knew that I had a massage coming my way. The cruise was not over yet. I had another day at sea in hand. And I was hearing Christmas music. And I just felt really at home. And just one of those moments where I was sort of introspective about where I was and whatever good things were happening in my life. And uh, I was happy, which, as you know better than anyone, that a cruise can create moments like that and moods like that like nothing else. I can't remember, Daniel. Was this your first cruise or second cruise back since the shutdown? This is my second. I did a Disney with my daughter. That's right this past summer, the summer of 21. Nice. Very cool, man. Well, what are your final thoughts of Norwegian Gem? The Gem, I love my fellow cruisers. It's a slightly old ship. I can't say it's my favorite ship I've been on because the, the amenities and stuff are a little limited, but she has character, and I recommend her for avid cruisers. And you inspired me. I went to the gift shop and bought a model of the gem. Nice. And then I realized, because I'm a nut, that I had to then buy a model of every damn ship I've been on, <laughs> which on eBay cost me a fortune, and I blame you. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. That's for sure. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I want to ask you this. Actually, I was going to ask one more question here before we hop, because I think it's important. This is your very first time sailing Norwegian Cruise Line. How does the brand, uh, the customer service and all that on all the levels, how do they stand out? Kind of hard to compare against Disney, because Disney's like in, in a league of its own, but like Royal Caribbean. They're similar. I would say that they are similar. I, I would say that they're... Old-fashioned might be the wrong word, but they're a little more reserved than royal, mm-hmm. in my experience. And I, and I agree with you that Disney is indeed in its own class. We've been talking with Daniel about his five-night cruise over to Bermuda from Manhattan on Norwegian Gem. Daniel, thank you so much for coming by, my friend. Thank you, Doug. Always. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. 
Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.